Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Words of Dragons podcast. Um, today, I thought we would do something a little bit different than really anything I've done before. So it's not going to be an episode commentary or a lovely Q&A. Um, but I was thinking as of time of recording, it's like June 5th. And I've been thinking a lot about Pride Month. Happy Pride to everyone on the LGBTQ plus spectrum wherever you may fall into any sort of you know like supportive ally or anyone who's questioning um i've been all of those things and have only recently continued to not be someone who's questioning um in in certain aspects of my identity and you you know i feel like even though like i'm 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 I'm, uh four for four queer i am um asexual on the romantic spectrum a gender slash non-binary slash trans, um, and I am also pan romantic, which means I'm interested in anyone regardless of gender. That doesn't really factor in for me in terms of how I perceive people. Um, and so I find that like even though I'm very queer, obviously, like there's still people in the community that I'm an ally to in various ways whether it's in matters of intersectionality, like taking race and able-bodiedness into account, or whether it's just regards in terms of other forms of queerness that I don't personally relate to, like most non-binary identities. I don't understand the gender thing because I don't have one, Um, but like rock on you funky little queers, you know? Um, I don't know why I feel like nervous, but I was thinking of doing a sort of podcast, just a quick little episode kind of about the Dragon Prince and its queer representation, as well as just my thoughts on kind of like the head canons that have become like pretty prominent or like some of just my like personal favorites for different characters in the fandom. Um, and just kind of a nice little celebration thingy. So you know, sit down, grab a drink. Hopefully this won't be super long, but watch this still be like 20 minutes at least. Um, And so I guess the natural place to start is to say that I was thinking about the Dragon Prince specifically because the Owl House is another really great cartoon with some really nice, like very heartwarming sort of queer rep in it so far. And its second season's coming out like later this summer. And I'm quite excited for that. Um, it's a very cute, fun show, lots of lovable characters, but I was thinking about the Dragon Prince in particular, and I was kind of like, you know, it is probably the show that I feel has my personal favorite representation out of the recent, like, category of shows, like, with representation, kind of started with The Legend of Korra in 2014, and then probably going through to, like, you know, I watched all of Steven Universe and Steven Universe Future, I was watching The Owl House. I watched all of She-Ra. I don't really like She-Ra. That's personal. Um, and just kind of like, you know, the, the various sorts of shows and also like DreamWorks is representation that's been rising in recent years um, with things like Kipo and even like kind of like what I hope they might be doing on Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous with two of the characters because I was like, season three was very gay. Um, And so I was just kind of thinking, you know, like, why is Dragon Prince kind of my favorite beyond the fact that it's probably the place where I'm the most emotionally attached to all of the characters. And I've always been someone where I really appreciate a well-told story over representation necessarily, like, especially in terms of like marketing. Like if somebody's trying to sell me on a show and they say like, oh, it has 
rep? Well, my first question is going to be like, well, do you mean queer rep? Do you mean racial rep? Disabled rep? Like there's all these sorts of things to take into to take into account. And I find that oftentimes fandom really, really focuses on queer rep and gender um, subversion and sometimes can overlook things like race and stuff like that. Um, so that's why I personally try and draw attention to the latter more than the former, because I feel like, you know, like somebody is going to be thinking about the queer stuff here and I can kind of put my resources, put my brain power elsewhere to consider like other angles. Um, I'm getting so off topic. Um, but yeah, just kind of thinking about what I appreciate about the Dragon Prince so much. And I feel like it's first and foremost because it ha it's queer characters existing and a very good story where their identities are overt and important, but it's not the defining feature of them. And it's a form of normalization that I really appreciate as someone who's been out now fully for almost four years and is in an interracial same-sex presenting relationship um, and just all those sorts of things. And I don't know, there's something about the Dragon Prince because I remember in season one, there was a statement released by the writing team being like, we do plan on having queer rap. And I was like, amazing, you know, we'll probably take like a couple of seasons, but you know, times are changing. So I'm really excited and I'm not, not that I'm not like picky. I, I kind of am picky actually. Um, but just kind of like, you know, going into it being like, awesome. That's not like my primary concern. That's not even the form of representation that I'm usually most concerned with. I was a lot more excited about the fact that from the first like trailers and stuff like that, that the cast seemed to be so racially diverse, both beyond behind the microphones and also like on screen as well, with characters like Harrow, Ezrin, Callum, Amaya, um, and everyone there. And so going in and then it was it was an interesting experience because I've recently been rewatching, I binged season one like uh, in two days, like a couple weeks ago with a family member. And he, you know, was like, yeah, I'll watch it with you. Why not? And we had a good time. And, you know, it made me, it made me very, like, nostalgic. And it was also fun to watch season one in such a close um, time span. And just, it was, it's one of those shows, Dragon Prince is one of those shows where I feel like the rewatch value is actually higher than the initial watch. Like, the initial watch, you're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You're having a great time. You know, the plot's fast paced and you're just going through it and you're like oh this is awesome but i feel like the rewatch value is higher because like you can see the ways that things are already being like recontextualized in later seasons or you have more information particularly about like harrow's backstory and his decisions that like lead to the beginning of the show and all those sorts of things and you also like know where all the characters are going so you can really pick up all the little hints and appreciate like the small like seeds scattered throughout and planted throughout um but my brother but my like family member was like oh yeah like i think we were making a joke it was something about like zim being like a gay dragon so the rainbow or something about like ezran or you know he'll he'll be he knows that i i care a lot about queer up and i do um and so he made some kind of joke and i was like oh actually like we have already met a couple of gay characters and he's like oh like really and i'm like yeah there's the ants and then you have the like i'm not expecting him to remember all the names 
and you have obviously like Renan in the dungeons. And he was like, oh, cool. And I was like, yeah, and there's more on the way. And it was one of those nice moments of like these characters, again, just get to be characters and get to be morally complex and flawed without being demonized and without being villains or terrible people is just really nice to see. And it's just, again, like so is existing on like multiple sort of axes of um, representation, particularly with characters like Amaya and even Janai. Um, and it's just so rewarding to go back to the beginning and see these characters and to know more about them and to know more about who they are on that like level. And they just get to exist in this world. And like Amaya has like two plot lines before she even gets one. And her plot line with Janai is like also queer, but it's also political. And it's also just like a fantasy sort of plot line. It's about her individual character growth and those sorts of things, like an addition. And it's just so nicely like layered. And even just seeing like the little hints of like Ruthari in season one that a lot of the early fandom picked up on, I was immediately excited for. And we hoped that like the elf in the end credits was Renan's boyfriend. And then we get to season three and it's like, this is his husband and just things like that. And I just appreciate that these characters just get to exist, like the Queens of Durin who again get to like be flawed and kind of messy and also be heroic and revered and mourned in ways that like you don't usually get to see queer characters be even if like they obviously like are dead but that's not like the plot twist you kind of know that that's coming and again it's not like it's the only lesbian couple on the show like somebody who writes what I would identify as like queer high fantasy it's like I have quite the body count as my as my books that I'm working on have gone on and so undeniably like some of the characters who do pass away in this like massive war are queer or queer coded or something like that along those lines or however you want to say it um but my main cast is also all queer so it's kind of just like letting us have that like variety of roles of like general royalty assassin craftsmaker translator with kazi and like i've also been thinking about like the tales and kazi kazi is like my favorite like non-binary rep i love them so much and i'm so excited to see hopefully more of them in like future seasons as well as like um hearing their pronouns used on screen and things like that because i'm really excited for that um and even just like the tales of Zadia introducing like three more non-binary characters, like an assassin, a kind of sort of shady mage, an archer who's also disabled. And like, it's just so nice again to see that variety of character roles and archetypes because like I was trying to think of like, not only are all the Dragon Prince non-binary characters like humanoid, like they're either elves or humans, so they're not animals and they're not of some kind or they're not aliens or something like that. And so like, that's really nice and refreshing because like we've been trying to make strides towards that. Um, and again, just having that like variety of like when you go and when, when kids play the game, like they have to get used to the pronouns. They see that this is normal for this world. They see that these are, there's no limit to what you can do even if your gender identity is a little bit different than somebody else's. And I just think that's lovely and really heartwarming. And sometimes I get quite emotional 
thinking about the fact that like we're not even halfway through the show's run so like we're gonna get more of a Janai arc we're gonna get to see them kiss on screen for sure we might even see them end up being like married in the end or something like that and we're gonna see Renan and Athari get reunited and all those like amazing things and maybe some more queer characters and maybe see some characters we already know end up being queer like Claudia and Soren in particular or something like that like the sky is the limit in terms of what we can do and Janaya in particular makes me really happy because it's so rare to see a same-sex couple in particular get together like semi early on in a show and so it's kind of like there's like I've fully really expect them to be like a couple by the end of like season four season five at the latest and even then that's still like three or two seasons like at least of them just being a couple and being together and i'm so excited to just see that be portrayed like particularly because i find that like most characters or couples if you do have like lgbt like more side characters are only in like one episode or aren't really developed outside of their relationship or really underused. Like that was personally one of my issues with, with She-Ra. Um, so I don't really love the main ship, but again, that's personal. Um, it's not like I ship them and either of them with anybody else really either. So it's not like I prefer and I just, it was just messy for me. Um, but like you have Bo's dads and they're in like two episodes and they don't exist outside of those two episodes really like whatsoever, either like their influence on like Bo as a person or in terms of references or anything like that. Um, and then you have Spinnerella and Natasa and they're kind of in season one and they're in like a couple of the seasons, but neither of them really get a lot of like development or speaking roles or anything like that until like season five. And it's, it just felt too late to me. And so I really appreciate again, that like we get to see like Runan in and outside of his relationship with Athari to the point that like when we do meet Athari and we do see those flashbacks, we're like, oh wow, like Runan has like such a soft side. And like Athari also gets to be like messy and flawed in his grief and his choices. And also gets to like somewhat redeem himself and like be a loving father in that moment, if even if, even though he's not like a perfect one and he does get to help out like the kids and ending the war. And then obviously like you have Janai and Amaya who meet and like get to be fully sort of developed characters with multiple relationships and plot importance and all those sorts of things and like lead armies together. And like you get all of that. And again, like the Queens of Durin, like they do have more of an impact on Anya and she exists outside of those two episodes. And like, she's only going to probably be a more prominent character as we go forward and like, Kazi just gets to exist and be a translator and be adorable and I just love them and again like we're gonna see more of them and I just I appreciate that realism and that normalization so much and it makes me really happy and it makes me feel so seen and I know that that's been true for I just think of like if I'd had a show like this when I was a kid in particular it would have made like I don't know if it even would have helped me realize and accept myself like sooner but it definitely would have made me happy because I can still remember the first thing I ever saw gay characters in it was maybe like six or seven and it was 16 which is a Canadian cartoon I don't know if it ever got big in the states and they had a handful of episodes that had like a queer side character in it like different every time and I remember every time one would show up and I could process that there was like something of like this person plays for the same team or this person is going to the dance with a 
girl or like things like that. Like I remember that really sticking out to me, even if I didn't have the language to know like why and why I was fascinated or intrigued or in invested in that. Like I, I, I didn't really understand what gay was, but I remember seeing that and being like, oh, and so the fact now that we have like Runan and, and Athari having like a kiss and being husbands and that thing, it's so much more like clear and over and, and loving between like all the different couples we see and just, it just makes me so happy. Um, and then I guess because now we're already like 16 minutes in, um, it's time to talk about kind of how much I love the Dragon Prince for embracing queer headcanons the way that it has like I don't I feel like almost every single person I see who ever talks about Soren sees him as Pan in particular I've also seen some people see him as somewhere on the aromantic or asexual spectrums which like I'm always a big fan of for character headcanons um Claudia is almost always seen as being sapphic I've seen some people see her as a lesbian I've seen some people see her as bi I can also honestly see her as both at different points, depending on how I want to write her. Um, so, like, that's lovely. And then, you know, I recently, not recently, but, like, I've worked headcans of Janai being trans, being labeled as a prince, and then being like, no, like, I'm, I'm a princess, and that being, like, totally respected and that being like a aspect of her bond with Cassie and those sorts of things and like I've seen that also be embraced and again it's it's particularly special for me because I do see Amaya and Janiya as like as lesbians and so to have that sort of representation because like so often I feel like trans women and trans lesbians are shut out of those dynamics and those conversations and so I think it's just so lovely that that's picked up you know some that that's resonated with some people um, and then kind of like the big one that was originally what like inspired me to kind of make this episode in, in the first place, um, was, and watch me get emotional. Oh my God. It's surprising. Um, cause I never get emotional on this podcast. Um, is Rayla, there's a lawn while we're going off and hopefully you guys can't hear that. Um, but just kind of like the way that I've been, I've been out as ace for four years now, and I've been out as a respect for over two years. Um, and I also questioned, I had a long questioning period about asexuality in particular, um, for at least two years, if not closer to three. Um, and I didn't realize how much it was weighing on me until I finally had my answer and I could finally accept myself and I cried because um, it was both extremely terrifying and also one of the most kind of like biggest moments of self-love that I could conceptualize for myself of, of accepting that this was my answer and that it made everything else make sense and I was just so happy to finally be able to know what was going on with myself and that there wasn't anything wrong and that I wasn't even necessarily the exception I was just a different way of being than most people and so it's been you know but being being a spec, being on the aromantic or sexual spectrums anywhere there, 
Um, it's not always a fun time in fandom. I've seen a lot of kind of not nice shit. I've had it said directly to my face. Um, I've had people make some pretty nasty implications. Um, I've seen people get really, this was more in like, the, I want to say like the early, you know, 2015 to 2018 kind of, um, of people being like, oh, you can't see that character is asexual, they're gay. And it's like, well, I'm gay and asexual. So, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. Um, or just kind of getting used to the way that people would normally headcanon A-spec characters. Um, the most common ones usually being seeing someone as Arrow Ace, um, and that kind of being the excuse almost given to like, particularly if it was like a woman of color with like a more lighter skinned man in fandom of being like, oh, well I see here is Arrow Ace, so that's why I ship him with another lighter skinned guy um and not her even though she's the canon love interest and i think that's why and it was so rare to see like i think that headcanons asexual a respect headcanons are so personal to me because by and large it's the only representation that people like me currently have we don't really have anything else we have some really cool um a spec like fantasy books like every heart is a doorway or more realistic contemporary like let's talk about love both of which i read and really appreciated so i highly recommend either of those books and then we have like jughead from the from archie comics but then he's not that in the show so it doesn't really matter on that level um and we have Todd from Bojack Horseman, and I think we have a minor character from The Shadowhunters, and we have a minor character from sex, from sex Education. And that's kind of it. We never really see A-spec characters now with, like, deep interiority or things like that. And, like, I know for myself, like, I'm one of the reasons why it took me so long to realize I was asexual was because whenever I would see people talk about their experiences it was always like oh like i didn't know what was up with me and then i read the word and the definition and it instantly clicked and i just knew and i knew the word from about the time i was i was four i was 13 14 i knew what the word asexual was i did like a deep dive into queer theory and intersectional feminism when i first started to get on tumblr so yes i've been here for a very long time and I didn't, so I read the word. I remember thinking like, oh, cool, and moved on because it didn't resonate at that time. And I didn't really know, you know, I, I just thought I was like a really late bloomer. And then looking, and now I know that most people feel sexual attraction between the ages of 10 to 14. And if you don't feel it, then then there's probably something else going on. Um, that could be like a variety of things. And I was like, well, that would have been useful to know because I was 17 thinking maybe it's on its way. It's not, it's, it's never gonna, it's never gonna be here. Um, and there are some is people on the asexual spectrum where like, it does eventually show up, like if you're gray ace or demisexual and whatever, but for someone like me, he was fully asexual. Um, it means a lot to me to, and I've never seen it before. I've been in like a many, many other fandoms, like at least like 11 or 12 other sorts of fandoms. And 
I've never seen something like the Ray Lum fandom before. It's really, really common to see bi and gay or lesbian headcanons in fandom. Um, it's rarer for things like trans or non-binary or pan headcanons to be embraced, but sometimes that does particularly happen. Like, although Voltron was a shit show, seeing Pidge as non-binary was super common in the fandom. That was like one of the only times I've seen it really be embraced. Um, and then sometimes you get a character like Soren, who a lot of people see as Pan. Lovely. Love, like, I'm Pan. Like, you know, give it. <laughs> give me the head cannons. I love it. Um, and but often there's a lot of overlap with people who are, like, omnisexual or bisexual because, like, the specifics sometimes do help people. Um, like, the reason that I went for Pan other than bi was because most of the bi experiences I was reading was that crushes on men and women felt slightly different, and I couldn't, even if they were still both, like, strong romantic attraction, and I couldn't relate to that. So I assumed, like, so somehow I assumed that because I felt the same way towards men that I did women, that therefore I didn't like women and I couldn't be bi, and it was only upon reading more, like, Pan experiences where there was no difference, it all felt exactly the same, that I was able to come to terms with it, but I'm also wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people who fit more like my experience of emotion also fall under the bi label or vice versa, you know, like it's, it's one of the great things kind of about having that variety, again, the variety of language and of experiences. Um, but yeah, the real and fandom, and now we're at 25 minutes, so who knows how long this will be, but the real and fandom is really special to me because I've never seen a fandom embrace A-spec headcanons the way that the Raylum fandom has by and large, and the broader sort of Dragon Prince fandom as well for them. Um, I see it more than people seeing them as bi, and I've never seen that before. That's almost always what people go to when they decide there's a quote unquote headship that they like, they'll decide oh, I'm going to see them as bi. And sometimes it's generally because people view the characters that way for whatever reason, or they just want to see themselves and the characters just fine. I've also seen it on sides of where it comes down to like, oh, I need to, I can't ship a het ship. It has to be woke in some way without taking into consideration like the differences that can arise in terms of representation when it's interracial. But again, that's a whole other discussion. Um and so to see not even just like Arrow Ace headcanons be embraced, but I think in particular to see Arrow Ace spectrum headcanons of demi-romantic and demisexual for Callum and Rila respectively. But I've also seen Callum be seen as demisexual as well. Um, it's just so healing in a lot of ways and gives me so much hope. And I think it speaks to how a lot of the fandom is on one or both of these spectrums um, and just kind of that ability to see ourselves in these characters and to have experiences and just sort of like vibes that fit and fall into how we experience life and then can read them into these characters that we love. And I think the reason why it, it makes me so emotional is because it's really, really rare to the point that I can't think of a single couple that falls under this label. And if you know one, please leave it in my inbox at Realum. I, I would love to know where both parts of the couple 
are somewhere on the arrow or ace spectrums. And I think that hits particularly hard because while, you know, if you see Callum as demi-romantic and you see Real as demisexual, they're not completely aligned. There's still some obvious differences there in terms of how they're experiencing attraction and how they're going to be attracted to each other. But there's also similarities. And I think for someone like me, because I am... um, I am sex repulsed and asexual, and because my romantic attraction is so closely linked to my platonic attraction, I, I identify as alterous on the aromantic spectrum. Um, seeing that makes me so happy because when I first came out as asexual, I spent roughly the first six months having what I call ace checks of just constantly being like, okay, but how do I know? How do I know? And then being like, no, like, you know, we've, we've thought about this long enough, you know? Um, and then the first kind of year after that, very much almost like resigning myself to the fact that I had to be able to love myself fully because self-love is something that's really important to me. And I've worked very hard on it for a very long time. Um, that if my sexuality was why I ended up alone and my sexual repulsion was why I ended up alone, I had to be okay with that because I didn't want anything to get in the way of me loving myself. And by and large, I, I successfully achieved that emotional work. I managed to do it and I'm very glad that I did, but it was undeniably emotionally taxing. But the possibility of ending up in a relationship with somebody who was like myself who was somewhere on the asexual spectrum and was fine with my sex repulsion and what that would mean felt basically impossible and then now i actually am in a relationship and i do have multiple sorts of friends and acquaintances who are somewhere on one or both of my uh aspect spectrums and I think that's why Realm hit so hard because I've been in fandom for 12 years now. Yeah, yeah, if I'm doing my math right. It's been at least 12 years. So it's been a long time. Um, and we're in such a different place in the early um, 2020s than we were in the early 2010s. Like, like so utterly different in the past six, seven years in, in particular in, in the animation community has been like so crazy to watch unfold. And like, you know, like I, I go into shows now and if I do have a queer ship, it's not like, oh, this will never happen the way that it, it used to be when it was such a revolutionary thing for it to happen. It's more like, oh yeah, like that's a, you know, that's a real possibility. It may not go that way. Um, but it's possibility now and there's just, but there's just something about Realm and the community in particular that just makes my heart so full. And I think it's because it's people shipping these characters, not to get them out of the way, not to explain why they're not being paired off, but to ship them together as like a loving couple. And it just made like this is this is in some ways i think the thing because i questioned whether i liked women for a while 
Um, but, and obviously like that has changed my life and my gender identity, that realization that's the most recent one that was last summer has also changed my life in a lot of ways. And I'm really fortunate that now I feel like I'm in a place where I can speak to those sorts of things. Um, but there's something about Raylam in particular where I'm like, this is what, if I had been in a fandom like this when I was 16, 15, this is what would have made the difference to me, I think. This is what would have made the difference of knowing that it didn't mean that I was closing myself off from different types of love, whether it was platonic or romantic, and that it didn't necessarily mean that I was going to end up alone 100%, and that there was nothing wrong with me, and that my form of attraction was different but normal. And seeing that now reflected in Raylam and reflected so heavily in posts and icons and headcanons and just and, and even just in the community itself. I know so many people in the community who are Aero Ace or on the asexual spectrum or they're demisexual or they're on the aromantic spectrum or both or all those sorts of things um, just makes me so happy because it's so easy to feel isolated um, when you can't relate to so much of the queer community's experiences. Like for me, my, my figuring out my and accepting my asexuality was the key to figuring out and accepting so much of myself. And I never could have come to any of my other conclusions without it. And that's why it is still my primary ID. It's still what I consider to be the most important, the most influential, the thing that describes me best, the thing that impacts me the most, that impacts how I ship and how I write and how I write characters, which is so important to me. Um, so important to me to write ace protagonists whether i can relate to their exact experience like i know for a couple of my original works i have an arrow ace protagonist who ends up in a qpr and then i have another protagonist who is um bi-romantic asexual but more sex positive um and just those sorts of experiences i think are just so important and the fact that i can make a post about Realum being asexual and I know people will be excited and it'll be well received or like one of the most kind of like rewarding parts of it and I like to think that I have had now I actually am going to cry and I like to think that I have had a small part in it somehow of, of making the community like this of making it a place where this is widespread and somewhat widely talked about even just in like a more like serious manner or in a more like meme way that's very fun um of this process of like normalization of being like this is a wonderful beautiful way to be and, and to love and this is you know there are two little goobers who are so in love with each other and love each other so much and celebrating all the different forms that that relationship can take. Like I've had, I'm 
I'm hoping to write a, a modern AU of Raylan being queer platonic uh, sometime soon. And I've had people be like, I'm so excited for this fanfic. And like, that doesn't usually happen. And I like to think part of that is because by getting in early and, and by posting a lot, I kind of um, had a small part to play in making the community like this and making it a safe place for people to talk about their um, less mainstream queer experiences of being a, on the asexual or aromantic spectrums and of seeing Calm and Rayla that way. Um, and one of the most rewarding parts of that has been having, I think, close to five people now, but it might be a little bit less. I'm, I, I feel like maybe I'm forgetting someone um, or even just of, you know, headcanning characters as Ace or Aero. Like I see Ibis as Aero Ace and I see Kren as Ace. And I can see Soren as being like on the asexual or aromantic spectrums in addition to being pan like those sorts of things i've seen people headcanon claudia is aromantic and just all those sorts of things um because I've, I've had people come to me saying hey your posts and your headcanons and the terms you used or the ideas that you first put forward about characters made me do research or made me help me realize that i'm somewhere on these spectrums like i'm a spec as well and I know how different that journey can look because there aren't that many resources out there. And that's why part of the reason why like it is something that I'm so passionate and thankful about. And the fact that I've seemingly had some of that impact on people um, and then they've been kind enough to let me know just means like the absolute world to me in ways that I can't quite express. And I feel like I just sound like I'm really sad, but I'm not sad. I'm just happy and emotional. Um, and it's one of those weird moments where despite everything kind of going on in the world right now, and maybe this is partially because like I finally feel like I have all parts of my identity fully figured out, but this might be my favorite pride so far, my favorite pride month. Um, and so much of that is because of you guys and because of the ideas and concepts and love and acceptance and self-reflection that you put forth in your art and your fix and your asks and head cannons and like how you carry yourselves with pride and put it in your bios and, or icons or just all those forms of like self-expression and self-exploration. And I just wanted to make this, I guess, to say thank you. Um, yeah, thank you, because it's a new experience for me. And Raylan has already been such a special ship for me in like, for, for so many reasons. But this is definitely one of the ones that really sticks out to me on like a super personal level. Um, and this may be the most personal we're ever going to get on this podcast, fingers crossed, because whoo, boy, um, but I'm really excited to hopefully see this happen in the future of people having care characters that they had canon as a spec and ship together in the future. And that being a more like normal part of fandom and people realizing how to respect and include more a spec people in fandom going forward. And even if 
for some reason like maybe maybe there will be more fandoms like this and i'm just not in them for whatever reason because like i didn't like the animation style or it's a bit it's a bit too bloody for me like whatever the reason is um i'm kind of okay if i'm never in another fandom like this again because this is something so special and i'm just so glad that i got to have it at all so yeah thank you um i hope you all have a very happy pride month um i hope you're all healthy and staying safe and enjoying life as much as you can um oh now i have to like take a breather and um we do have some really exciting things coming up in the fandom not necessarily in this month um but next month is Raylan Month, also known as Raylan Birthday Bash or Hiatus Hoedown. Um, and I'm running it again this year, which I'm super excited about. I wasn't thinking I would. And then I had all the prompts laid out. So I was like, well, I guess I guess it's happening. Um, and so all the prompts you can find, they're pinned on my Tumblr and all sorts of form of content are welcome. The goal is to just have people create and share and have fun and just you know, even if you don't have time to make anything, hopefully if you do have time to like read some things or look at some pretty art or whatever you have time for, um, can make your day a little bit better and make you make things, make life a little bit easier. Um, we also have the San Diego Comic-Con in July and then in late July, and then we have the season two novelization coming out in August, which I'm super, super excited for. I'm really pumped and then I'll definitely be doing probably like a Q&A sort of like review for that as well when that comes out. So it'll be nice to be able to do something about fresh content because it's been it's been a little while. Um, and yeah, as always, thank you for listening. And if you are interested in me exploring a similar topics or doing another sort of um, discussion like this of me just kind of talking, it's not necessarily guided. Um, feel free to leave like suggestions on what you would want me to talk about. Maybe like a, a particular character or relationship or something in the show. Um, and if you do ever have questions about any of the terminology or experiences that I've talked about in this podcast, um, please feel free to ask on my Tumblr. You can ask on Anon. I really don't mind. Um, I'm always happy to share as much as I can, um, as much as I feel comfortable with. I'm pretty good at setting that boundary, so I'm quite proud of myself. Um, and if you have just questions of being like, what do you think of this queer head canon for this character? Or what would you like to see in the Dragon Prince rep-wise going forward or something like that beyond what I've already talked about? Um, feel free to always ask those questions. Just leave an asterisk so I know it's for the podcast. Um, and yeah, I can't, I can't remember if I already did my little like outro and I just kept talking. But as always, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed um, and happy pride, everyone. Dragons out.